Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. David said, my soul longs after you. My heart and my flesh, they cry after you. He said when he came into the sanctuary, he came to see the presence and to see the glory of the Lord. So we've gathered together today in this house and surely we are in his presence. There's a beautiful sense of God in the house today. You can turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. In a moment, I'm going to read this uh, passage. It's rather lengthy, but the Word of God is a lot more important than my message and my opinions. And when I read it, I just want you to just open your heart Close your eyes if you wish, but just let the Word of God wash over your spirit. Uh, Before I preach, I want to take just a moment to express my great appreciation to this church for your prayers, for Flora and myself over these last several months. Uh, Most of you probably know that uh, my wife Flora suffered two strokes, one in early November and one on December the 24th. Uh, The 24th of December stroke, the doctor said on the scale of one to 25 that she was 25 when I took her in. Uh, We were at the the specialist uh, about 10 days ago and he spent an hour, at least maybe an hour and a half, Uh, giving Flora absolutely every test that you can imagine and all of the questions. And and at the end of it, he turned to Flora and said, you know, Flora, you are a miracle. Uh, I am deeply appreciative of the doctors and the nurses and the staff at Foothills Hospital, they're uh, absolutely superb in every way, and I give them credit for their part of the healing process. But uh, to have a stroke of that magnitude, and uh, Flora's here today, and I think she's 95% of the way back, is an, is indeed a miracle. And uh, And God answers prayer. I haven't got it all figured out, but but I know that he hears the cries of the people. And so I wanted to take a moment to thank you. Many of you have prayed for her and prayed for me as well. It was a difficult season to walk through, but the Lord has been with us and helped us. And, uh, and I thank you from my heart. So I haven't preached for a long time since November the 28th. I usually preach 40 times a year. And so, uh, I kind of wondered about how how it would go today. So 
but I'll give it my best shot. But I'd like to read from Isaiah 53. If you have a Bible, you can follow. If you don't, just, in fact, it'd be really good just to kind of close your eyes, listen to the Word of God, let it flow over your spirit. Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. They've made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. God bless his word to our hearts. 700 years before the cross, this prophetic word was given concerning the Messiah. Clearly, it was fulfilled by Jesus at the cross. In fact, it describes his suffering so accurately and so vividly that you would assume it was written at the foot of the cross. This is about the suffering Savior. And I submit to you today that Jesus Christ stands out as the great, greatest sufferer of all times. 
And what makes this suffering unique is that they were vicarious or they were for others. First Peter 3 and 18 said he suffered once for sins. The just, that's him, for the unjust, that's us. With the view that he might bring us to God to restore our relationship with our Creator. Luke penned it this way in chapter 24, verse 46, thus it is written, and whenever you, in the New Testament you read about what's written, that's Old Testament. Thus it was written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer. Isaiah 53 is so profound that I believe that one could preach on it every Sunday for months on end. But for the sake of the moments that we share together, I want to share four things from this passage concerning the suffering of Jesus. And I want us to understand as we think about it that his suffering was for us. Make it personal in our hearts and in our lives today. First of all, we read in, in Isaiah 53 about the suffering of rejection and the suffering of loneliness. Listen again as I read from Isaiah 53. Verse 2, he said, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Visualize a solitary root springing up in the desert. He said he has no form nor comeliness. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief, and we hid our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. I believe that Jesus Christ was the loneliest man who ever walked the planet. He rose out of obscurity, and there was nothing about him in the natural that would impress people. He was a carpenter's son from an unknown village. And wherever he went, to a large extent, he was despised and he was rejected. Think about it. When he was born, there was no room for him in Bethlehem. John said he came unto his own, that's his own people, and his own received him not. There was no room for him in Nazareth when he came to the synagogue and opened up the scroll and began to speak. They drove him out and attempted to drive him over the cliff. They said, not here, not you, not now. When he went to Gadara and delivered the demoniac, they asked him to leave. Difficult to comprehend, but for them business was more important than the healing of a demon-possessed man, and they'd lost pigs in the sea. Jesus said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, and he wasn't quoting poetry. It was reality, it was the fact. In Gethsemane, 
he prayed alone. In Jerusalem, they cried away with this man. At his trial, they all forsook him and fled. But it climaxed at the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is despised and rejected the suffering of rejection and loneliness, and he suffered this for us. He paid the price so that you never need to be alone. He paid the price so that you would never need to be rejected. In fact, he said, come unto me, all of you, all of you, with your burdens and your struggles and your failures, come. I'll give you rest. And he said, if you come to me, I won't turn you away. And you may be here today, and you lead a lonely life. You've been rejected by your friends, perhaps by your spouse, or your children, or vice versa. And you're looking for someone who will love you unconditionally. His name is Jesus. And he will love you in spite of who you are and what you've done and where you've been. It makes no difference to him. His arms are open. His invitation is come. All of you, any of you, just come. And you'll discover that he will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll be the one who'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. He'll walk with you every single day of your life. He died on the cross to pay the price. Second, he suffered the suffering of sickness. Let me read Isaiah 53, verse 4. It says, surely, not maybe, not perhaps, not with conditions. Surely, without a doubt, without a fact, surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Both the Hebrew words and the New Testament commentary revealed that the passage had to do with physical sickness. Let me unpack it for you really briefly. It said that he is born. The Hebrew word means to get underneath and to lift it up and to carry it away. So it said that when Jesus hung on the cross and paid the price, he got underneath something. He lifted that something up and he carried it away. And he didn't bring it back. So what was it that Jesus lifted up and carried away? Well, the Hebrew word that is translated griefs in the English language means sickness and disease and anxiety and affliction. So the prophet said that when he came, he would get underneath my sickness, my disease, my anxiety, and my affliction, and he would lift it up and he would carry it 
away. And the word sorrows means pain and sorrow and grief of mind and burdens. And if you think that I'm trying to prove a point, I'm not. But I'll take you to the greatest interpreter of the scriptures. If you want to interpret the scripture, the best way to interpret it is with the rest of the scripture. My opinion is absolutely worth nothing. The older I get, the more I know that. So if I want to find out what it means, then I need to look to the source of truth. And if you go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, it says that he healed all who were sick. And if you go to the context, the crowds are coming. They're sick. So many people who are sick. I'm always amazed when there's an altar call given for people who are sick. Most of us have got something broken someplace, something not working right someplace. I'm amazed at how few are absolutely healthy. And so the great crowds came to Jesus, and it said, he healed all that were sick. Listen now, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And 1 Peter 2 and 24 says, by his stripes we are healed. You might ask me, Pastor Fenn, don't you have some questions about healing? The answer is absolutely yes. But here's what I've discovered in, in life that I think is important is that I need to measure everything by the Word of God, not by my experience. I need to measure it according to this Word. And this Word says that by His stripes we are healed. In most parts of the world, it's absolutely commonplace because they have no other options. We have so many options today. But I want to say to us today that if you're sick and you are in need of a healer, there is a great physician in the house, and he has the power to bring you healing. And he paid the price once, and if God is just, he will not demand payment the second time. The suffering of sickness. He bore it. Third, Isaiah talks about the suffering of sin. Isaiah 53, 6 said he was wounded. That is, he was pierced and perforated. He was wounded for our transgressions. Transgression means when you cut across God's law. You know it's there, but you cut across it. It has to do with the rebellion of our hearts. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let me try to explain that verse to us. In the Old Testament, 
the sins of the nation were confessed over the head of a goat. It's called a scapegoat. We use that terminology, he was made a scapegoat. When the sins of the nation were confessed over the scapegoat, it said that he was led by a fit man into the wilderness, never to come back again. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, the sins of the entire world were laid upon him. And he got underneath them and he lifted them up and he carried them away. And they are gone forever. Gone forever. Isaiah talks about that, verse 10, he said, when you make his soul an offering for sin, Verse 11, he will bear their iniquities. Verse 12, he bore the sin of many. 1 Peter 2, 24, he bore our sins in his own body upon the tree. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 said, for God made him to be sin for us. I cannot imagine that. I know what it is like to sin and feel the burden and the weight and the guilt and the pain. I cannot comprehend that he could carry the sin of the whole world in his body. It said he was made sin for us. He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, this was the cup he prayed to the Father that if it might pass. It was not that he was afraid to die. Other people have died. Others have died equally terrible deaths. But the difference between him and everybody else was that when he died, he carried the sin of the world in his body on the tree. Can I comprehend it? No. Do I believe it? Yes. And it is in that death and that vicarious suffering I pin my hope of forgiveness and eternal life in heaven with Jesus forever and ever. It is nothing but the blood, nothing less, nothing more, nothing but the precious blood of Jesus that saves me from the penalty and the power of sin and one day will deliver me from its presence. Let me close with the last. The fourth thing that Isaiah talks about is the suffering of death. Isaiah 53, 8, he was cut off from the land of the living. Verse 12, he poured out his soul unto death. This was the hour he came for. Had he not chosen 
to die, he could have lived forever because he was absolutely sinless. All of us know we'll die, but he could have lived forever. He said, no one takes my life. I lay it down of myself. He said, I could have called for 10,000 angels who would have come and saved me. Hebrews 2 and 9 said, says, but we see Jesus. Focus your attention on him now as I close the message. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. He died that I might live. He died to take away the fear and the sting of death. He died that I might be forgiven and have eternal life. He's the answer to everything you've longed for, everything you've searched for. He is the answer to your needs. And today, he stands with arms wide open and his invitation has come, all of you, any of you. If you'll come, he said, I'll receive you. I'll make you my child. I'll forgive you. I'll take you to heaven, but you need to come. So today, Lord, I ask you that the Spirit of God will now brood over this church auditorium, from the front to the back, the youngest to the oldest. Spirit of God, brood on us now. Turn our eyes toward you. Help us to see you on the cross with your arms outstretched. Saying, Father, forgive them. And I pray today that the Spirit of the Lord will now call and draw and bring people to yourself. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed just for a moment. I'm going to ask the band to begin to sing a song in a moment or two. I'm not so much today urged to call you to the altar, though I'm opening the altar. Because if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to invite you to come. Someone will be here, talk with you and pray with you, introduce you to Jesus. Perhaps you're here today and there's a sickness in your body and the doctors don't have a lot of hope, then I want to invite you to come as well. Just stand here. Someone will come alongside of you and pray for you. Whatever your need is today, this is a house of prayer, and this is the place of his presence. And he's here today to meet your need and to touch your life. So I'm going to open the altar in just a few moments. But what I'd like to do, rather than just dismiss the service right away, 
The worship team is going to lead us in a beautiful song. I'd like to encourage you to just sit a few moments in his presence. Let the presence of the Lord wash over you. Let the song minister to your heart, to your spirit, even to your body. And then in a few moments, I'll release you. If you are here and you feel you need to go, please feel free to slip out at any time. But I'm going to ask now, let's just linger in his presence for a few moments. I tried to preach a little bit shorter so we'd have a little bit of time. I don't know if I succeeded or not, but let's open our hearts. It's good to sit in his presence and just let him work in your heart. So do that. We hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.